0: Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt.
1: Welcome back. I've got Michael Shapari on the line. Michael, how are you? Good. Thanks, Michael. Looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. I am. I
0: am, too. This is going to be a great one. So why don't you share a little bit about you and we'll dive into the conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a marketer by profession, uh, but on the side, I love to write. And um, the book that I've uh, I've, the only book that I've uh, written so far is uh, a book that draws business lessons from the life of Alexander the Great and uh I, it was i never intended to be a writer but i chanced upon one of his biographies and i was just like blown away by how different each of his battles were and i was in business consulting at the time and it just like just things started clicking i started seeing parallels in the business world and and here we are you know
0: it's great yeah i've heard a phrase over the last few years that i i've really enjoyed it, it says history May not repeat itself, but it often rhymes, and that's right. That's right. And I love that quote because we see it. Uh, yeah, the the battles of the war field and of centuries ago, and different challenges right. of what Alexander the Great faced, right. Caesar, you name it. You know, Napoleon. Right. You, you go, you go back in time. There's plenty to choose from, uh, but right. then you 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 study those stories, and then you you look at it and you go. Wow, that sounds a lot like that situation we were dealing with, that big project when I was working at this firm, and we were doing that. It's like, why are there so many similarities? It's because work is war for some people, and and, uh, we're hearing a lot about it these days with quiet quitting and the great resignation and everything else, so... So you know, you kind of led into it where you you never had an intention to write this uh, write a book quite frankly right. but you you stumbled across this story and you like any great book or a great movie you immerse yourself into it and you're like okay. you're just eating it up going oh my goodness this is the some of the greatest things I've ever seen or read yep. and all of a sudden you had all those you know connections went when did that hit where it's like okay i need to i need to share this in some way not just with a conversation but you know when did that come to you that you needed to you know kind of push this out and, and potentially write a book about it
1: yeah so i think i started when i was reading the biography in parallel i was just thinking about you know so for example the the first chapter in the book is about Alexander, as a teenager, he tames this horse that nobody could tame. It was a wild horse, and uh, the name the, the name of the book is Bokephalos' Shadow, and it, the name of the horse was Bokephalos. And uh, the parallel I saw was I was also, you know, I was never a fan of Apple products, but then I got the... You know, I, I at the time, I got the iPod and I, I loved it. And then slowly, and, you know, I, and this was kind of like the time where Steve Jobs was back at Apple and the renaissance was happening. He started building all those beautiful products, like the iPhone came along. And I started thinking about, like, digging into his story of how did he transform Apple back to the greatness that it, you know, previously had. And the parallel of how he worked with the music industry execs was kind of similar to how, you know, a young Alexander, you know, worked with this wild horse. Cause the wild horse was scared of something, he was not sure what, but he figured it out same way Steve Jobs was, you know, working with these execs who did not want to work with a tech firm because they'd been like, you know, their their lunch had been eaten by Napster at the time. So they wanted to stay far from from any anything tech. So how did he convince them to work with him and create this iTunes platform? And so so that's when I started like dabbling with it, without knowing where it would take me. I just knew there was something there, and uh, it was it was literally chapter by chapter. Uh, I would work on you know a battle from Alexander's life as his life progressed, and I would think about okay what could be a business parallel so part of the joy for me was exploring so i i it was literally building a bridge not knowing if there's a next step <laughs> so luckily i was able to find parallels for all the all, all the inspiring events that i saw in alexander's life but it 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 was literally it was uh, it, till the first draft was fully done i did not know there would be a there would be a book you know
0: no well, it's a it's a great example of Using somebody like Steve Jobs, who was with Apple, was basically shown the door. Then right. things went sideways, and we're seeing it even today with you know stories of former CEOs being brought back into organizations after you know a change in leadership kind of thing. But you know, with Jobs and all the innovation and in the simplicity of it, because I think in in management and business too often i think we complicate things more than they need to be we got to streamline it. let's let's get back to the basic what what do we need you know from you know the analogy you, you used with itunes you know a lot of people are like you know why you know i've got a walkman i why what i need this ipod device or you know why 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 in the world would i give up my nokia phone you know for an iphone why why would i do that and now you know the the number of devices and we've seen all the internet memes and all of that the number of devices that the smartphone has basically made extinct or replaced is astronomical it's amazing i mean we could be doing this conversation on a phone you know, That's easily, right. um, and yeah. without without any issues on it. So it's it's that innovation in in pushing the envelope and and, and peeling back doors and, and like you said, you know, building a bridge. But you don't know, okay? Can I put a next step? Is there anything underneath there that I can actually put the step, or is it just going to sink into the abyss? And right. all the greats, you know, Alexander the Great obviously is one of them. They they took those steps and they built those steps, even though they didn't know if those were there. And those are the people that we see in history are the ones that change history.
1: That's right. That's right. And I think it's also relevant to the time because the the, you know, the. The one incident that really got me inspired to write a book on Alexander was, you know, towards the end of his life. So I was reading this, this book, it was I was flipping through, you know, this biography that I came across and I was like, oh, my God, because growing up in India, I had, a, you know, the only story I knew of Alexander was when he fought the Indian king towards the end of his campaign. And that too, from the Indian King's perspective, I didn't know how Alexander won. I knew how good the Indian King was. So just reading how he won that battle when, you know, his horses would not even go into the battlefield because they were afraid of elephants. I did not know that. I was like, Oh my God. And then, so all these things were like, you know, inspiring me, but then there was towards the end of his life, there was, they were, he and his army were going through a desert And they were out of water and his entire uh, army, they collected the water, the few drops they had in a a helmet, and they presented it to him that, you know, here's the last bit of water, you have it. He took that helmet and he upturned it and he said, I will share your fate. So that just blew me away because I was, uh, you know, at the time there was, I think there was another, I think it was around 2008, uh, that financial crisis was happening and people were getting laid off left, right, and center. I got laid off as well, but then the CEOs were making like a killing, even if you know the rest of the company was uh, you know uh, getting slammed. So seeing this example of Alexander, I felt like it was true leadership where he's like, "I will share your fate." He was not like, "You go to die. I will drink this water, and I'll live for a few more days he 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 dumped that last bit of water, and I was like, Wow, so that's when I felt like there is something here because there's, you know, the 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 battles that he won. There was strategy, but then it was true leadership that really inspires one. You know, and that's why I love your podcast too. Like it's, I love like it's breakfast leadership. It's like it's about leadership, and you know, I really love the the guests that you have on on, on the podcast. So kudos to you.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And it reminds me of a leadership story. And I've shared this, I think, before. I don't know if I've done it on my show or not, but I worked for an organization about a decade ago uh, prior to launching uh, my own business. And it was an organization that was having using that synergy of of the desert. Uh, And the organization was a national office uh, for uh, the whole country. And they were you know, really struggling. The basically the the institutes of the other areas in the country were really struggling, and we were the national office, and right. there was a distinct possibility some of those institutes were going to have to close down and file bankruptcy, which would impact you know that region and just right. a whole domino effect type of situation. So, uh, what the organization did at national mm-hmm. office. uh, because they were funding the national office, uh, mm-hmm. we, as a executive team, you know, all the senior leadership took a twenty percent, mm-hmm. including the CEO, took oh, a 20, wow, it took a twenty to twenty five percent pay cut across the oh board.
1: That's that, amazing.
0: That got the attention of the nice. institutes. Right. And they, because the right. funding, the funding model that we had had was built by previous administration, and it wasn't sustainable for the institutes. And mm-hmm. so, long story short, I remember this Saturday morning and early afternoon, we all went downtown. We were in a hotel, a Courtyard by Marriott. Uh, mm-hmm. Marriott's not a sponsor, but I stay at Marriott a lot, so I'll throw them a mm-hmm. bone. Uh, but uh, ultimately, we we all hammered out a new funding agreement. Mm-hmm. Which in turn saved all those troublesome institutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And within two years, um, the budget for the national office, because we cut our you know our funding budget too that they had right. to pay. Our yeah. our funding budget based on the percentages uh, that the institutes were making, we were making more at the national office than we did before. Wow. So we, wow. So That's but, it, but that was one, that was one of those helmet moments where was right. an organization, it's like, well, you know what, we can let these institutes die, we'll be smaller, but we'll be all right. No, we decided, okay, we're going to share in your pain. Now that we have your attention, let's, let's get past the bickering. And there was a lot of infighting from previous right. challenges right. and all that's like, no, let's, let's get this thing sorted out. And that's we did.
1: amazing. That's very rare, because, you know, you don't hear that, right? So... It's, it's uh, yeah, that's, that's super cool. I mean, I may ping you offline to get more details on that. That's a really cool of, story. Of so
0: course. That. Of course. Yeah. So uh, for the yeah. book, um, I, this is, this is like asking who's your favorite kid, uh, but <laughs> is there, is there a favorite section or a chapter mm-hmm. in your book that, that you've written that uh, really, you're really thrilled with that you're like, okay, I'm really glad we get to tell this part of the story.
1: It's, it's funny. Cause I, you know, I, I, Quiz my readers on that. I'm like, okay, so what was your favorite chapter? And you know, like it was su- it's surprising when the one of the longest chapters is like the third chapter where Alexander's father is assassinated and he's like still a teenager, and he uh, all the Greek states are feuding and they're rebelling all over the place. And he goes one by one and he just like you know keeps everybody together. And he brings he brings everybody together. That seems to be a favorite of like most of the readers that I like talk to. But for me, I think my uh, my favorite, if there has to be one, is uh, is the one about the Golden State Warriors, because there is uh, it's a you know my one of my favorite teams, and I really love the the culture that they've built, and it's a chapter where I compare the culture in uh, Alexander's army with the culture of the golden state warriors. And, uh, you know, there was a, there was a quote by, I forget who it was. I think it was uh, an executive at HBO. He said that, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So it's a relevant quote on the breakfast leadership uh, podcast, (laughs) culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I think it's, it's very true. So it's, uh, that chapter is my favorite because it's not about, you know, it's not about battle tactics, it's not about, but it's about like the co- cohesiveness, what makes an army or a business cohesive, you know. So in, in, in this case, I'm taking the Golden State Warriors as an organization and like what what, what is their secret sauce? It's, it's, it's my take on what their secret sauce is and I think that's, that's one of my favorite chapters. It has
0: to be one. Yeah. That's a great team. They they have talent. You know, that's you know, right. Steph Curry and everybody else. There's no shortage of that. But I, I think it from ownership to Steve Kerr and the leadership that he right. learned right. from with Phil Jackson and the Bulls when they were winning everything and Michael Jordan and, and all of that. There's there's a yep. system. And and you look at teams that are consistently good or in all likelihood have the chance to win a championship whether it's you know basketball obviously right now it's Golden State and it has been for a few years college football right. it's usually Alabama although at the time of this recording uh Georgia's won two in a row so uh we'll we'll see how things are there but you know other sports you know the right. the Brady era you know with the Patriots and all these other things where you 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 peel the layer back and say, okay, it's a great player. Well, You know what? There's a tons of great players, extremely talented players. Are there better quote unquote quarterbacks in the league right now than Tom Brady? I'd say at this point, yes, because he's in his 40s. You know, okay, that's right. <laughs> he's he's running out of fingers, okay, to put rings. On, so. <laughs> that's right. um, But but at the end of the day, I, I and I you know I love sports, but for me, it's always a Okay, there's a system in place. There's a culture. There's a method to what they do, and that's why they win. Um, the Detroit Red Wings made the playoffs 25 straight years after being horrible in the 70s and early 80s because they installed a system. They had several different coaches, obviously turnstile of players, but they right. kept winning. Why? You know, it's because there's a method to what they do, the type of people they have. This is what we do here. This is how it works, clearly defined. And that's why you you can see interchangeable parts and they still win. You know, the, the Patriots would be a great example because Belichick and Brady, and you look at all the Super Bowls that they won, you look at the first one they won, and then you look at the last one that they won together and you look at the teammates and who's the players on the team. And it was pretty much a complete turnover of coaches and players, other than Brady and Belichick, right? But they still win. Like, okay, what is there? That's why you know, for someone like you know, that's I think that's going to be an important chapter for me to review again because, uh, again, I I love you know someone like a Steve Kerr. I I think he's he's an amazing human being, a great coach, human you know we've seen him in vulnerable moments you know with tragedies right. in the world and all of that right. but, but right. we've seen him shine and you know i remember cuz i was in chicago for a few of those years so when the bulls were winning everything i got to watch him play and it's oh like oh my god
1: that's amazing yeah he's so, so he, alive.
0: That's he cool. yeah he's yeah. You know, and of course, everyone was focused on number twenty-three. I, I right. justifiable. There's a statue outside of United Center of him, so right. I get it. And 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 right. there's a you know there's a show a shoe that, and actually, you know the Jumpman logo that's on the NBA uniforms now. It's like, yeah, right. it's it's that guy. I get it. But there's he, Kerr was always that special person. It's like, yeah, he is a key component to this. And then, you know, when he right. you know took a you know took the job and became coach, and all of a sudden they start winning. And like. Yeah. He, he studied the the greats, you know, he, yeah, he could, he obviously can play basketball. There was no, you know, no debating that at all, but he studied leadership and people and how to get things to work together and all of that. And that's why they continue to be successful and will be uh, for quite some
1: time. 100%. I think like what he may not get credit for is the atmosphere he creates, you know, and I feel like it's, it's, Funny you mentioned Belichick because uh, I, I was a Boston native before I moved to California. And, you know, the, the Boston uh, was, you know, um, the first time they got into the Super Bowl with Brady uh, under Belichick. I still remember the beginning of the game itself when the other team was announced. All the players were announced one by one. The superstar players came running in. Then the other players... And the Patriots they all came running in together. There was no individual announcement, and that contrast itself for me was like, "Wow, this team is special, you know, so <laughs> it was like they would not it, it did not they' were not highlighting the superstars first and then the you know the ones the the least paid players coming in later, they came in charging into the arena as a bunch with music blaring and whatever I'm like that's cool so and, and they won, right, so I feel like. There is something. There is something to. There's an art to the whole. Uh, to the whole chemistry. That's that cannot be defined. So,
0: yeah. And I think in organizations that are healthy, that that vibe exists. Yeah. You know, right. There isn't. There isn't. I mean, there's silos. that just natural. It right. happens. But from a culture standpoint, those organizations that are strong that grow and retain people, and you don't have to deal with quiet quitting or great resignations or anything like that. Right it's because everybody feels like that they have a contribution to make that they're heard they're valued and right. they get to create and be the best version of them in an environment and when you have that in a workplace or at home or anywhere that's right that's when days and weeks and months fly by because you're living your best life and it's something that i, I hope everyone gets to experience and make part of their life because it's it's the best way to go
1: Amen. Amen to
0: that. Yeah. So awesome. I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you, the book, and all this amazing work you do?
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, they can find uh, everything about the book at uh, my website. It's www. That's my full name. dot com. Uh, and then uh, the ebook is also on Amazon. They just need to search my name. Uh, and uh, yeah, and they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, would love to, you know connect talk get their thoughts on this podcast the book and everything else so thank you for thank you for having me this is this has been awesome
0: awesome and i'll definitely have that information on the show notes so thank you again for your time today congratulations again on the book and continued success in everything you do thank
1: you michael thank you so much
0: thanks for listening to the, the breakfast, breakfast leadership, leadership show, show part of the breakfast leadership network Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.